Do you mute my microphone but unmute yours because you're worried about what I'm going to say whilst the yeah. music is playing? Yeah. Some of the shit that you say, you fucking scares me, and I can't keep paying the attorney. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I just want to know that we're on the same page. So. Yeah, no, we're good. So what's up, brother? How's everything? Oh, man, as you can tell, I'm living in my trailer. <laughs> my I, trailer. I am prepping for my move. My house has got everything shut off except the water and the internet. Uh, so I can shower and uh, watch porn tonight. And oh, then tomorrow morning, disgusting. you have to have the essentials. You have to have the essentials, yeah. The fact that you're wow. living in a trailer, all I think of is like a dirty 70s movie. <laughs> with, with like, some... how, like Matthew McConaughey opens the door with long hair and a shitty mustache, like picking lint out of his butt button. Like, all right, all, right, like, all right. Some old, old lady comes in is like, and you go, stepmom, No. I don't want to do this. It's so weird. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyone, anyway, everyone, thank you for joining Liberty Risk Podcast. I'm Billy. And I'm Hugh. And I I am super excited for our guest tonight, man. Alan Walker is the fucking champ. He's the champ. He's the fucking man. But let me tell you, bro. So I met Alan when I was, uh, my dad was stationed in La Maddalena, Italy. And, and his dad was stationed there as well. And... Oh shit! So this goes back, 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 back. Oh, back, back, like oh three, oh four ish. Like uh, we're oh, coming up in like twenty well, years. I was, I was at the end of yeah. my first enlistment. Anyway, I was gonna say, listen here, old man, we're coming up on twenty years. You Did fucking piece of shit! Like what the fuck? Oh three, oh four. I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> What's going on? My second deployment, you cock. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we we met either at like the rec center or on base, and I I can't remember what it was, but we were gonna meet up to work on some sort of project. It was I think it was a writing project, uh, which would have been weird because we were not in any classes together because we met over the summer. Uh, but we were gonna write something, and so I was like, hey, I'll meet you at such and such place at such and such time. Yeah, and and he was it, you know keep in mind so three oh four we didn't have that porn machine you have in your hand there. You know, we had like the, the Nokia brick, you know, like when phones were still getting smaller before you realized you could get porn on them and they started to get bigger again. Yeah. Isn't so, that funny how that, isn't that funny how like Pornhub yeah. came out and the phone's like, oh, look, your new 17 inch phone. You're like, hey, yeah. Ma, how's it going? Uh, uh, hold, yeah. uh, oh, oh, what's the screaming is in the background? I'm sorry. Hold on one second. What kind of phone do you have? Oh, the Decepticon 9000? Yeah. Okay. So we, we agreed that we're going to need it. Yeah, we agreed we were going to be at this place at this time. And uh, that day and time came up, and this is over the summer. So for me, I was back I was back from high school in London, and we were in Italy. My mom was like, you're not going. We're going to do some other thing. And I was like, well, I, I told a buddy of mine I'd meet him. And she was like, tough shit. And I was like, oh, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do about that then. <laughs> so uh, I, didn't I didn't see him for the rest of the summer, and I didn't know where he lived. So – I go on the plane. I fly back to England uh, a couple days early of all the new kids. And I didn't know that he was going to London. So a couple days later, all the new kids show up and he gets off the bus. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, it's so crazy that you're here. And immediately he was so furious. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time I was, I was wrestling in the 112 pound category. I was still five, six. I haven't grown since sixth grade. Um, yeah, Troy, we get it. You're an old man. Oh, I'm sorry. Chiefs like Sweeney. Mazel to you. Slow clap. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, Alan is maybe three or four inches taller than me and is like yelling at me for standing him up at the, and I felt like such a dick. And I, it was the first time I'd ever 
encountered a situation where somebody was that angry with me and I didn't know what to say. And uh, so here we are almost 20 years later. He is significantly more successful than I am. And I'm very excited for him. Uh, he served a, a bunch of time in the army, in the Intel community. He graduated from Old Dominion. He's got his master's in cybersecurity. He started his own company out here in Virginia. And if I understand his last post correctly, he's basically a contract with a, a city out here. Billy, please bring it in. Our guest tonight is Alan Walker. Hey, hey, what, how you what, doing? How did I do? Did I get the details right? You did great. You did great. Uh, uh, before, before Hugh gets into this, I want to hear it from your point of view. Alan. I want to hear how angry you were at him. <laughs> So let's. So it all started with. So I wasn't a part of his. Well, there's a bunch of people basically in Italy that like they went to school in London. My parents didn't want to send me and my sister there the first year, so they decided to homeschool us. So I was just twiddling my thumbs the whole time. So that's how it all started. So I was basically like a little like photojournalist for the base newspaper. So I asked him when he came back. So it was like, okay, hey, like, let's get together. I'm, the story that we were doing was the story that I was doing for the base newspaper. That's and right. He was That's going right. to be a part of it. So he didn't show up. So since he didn't show up, I had no paper. And I'm over here trying to be this budding uh, photojournalist up and coming. And the first thing I had to offer was nothing. So I looked real, real dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I looked dumb. So that's why I was upset. Oh, I'm six, I was 6'2. So I'm 6'1 now, but I'm taller than you, and I was upset. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's, I mean, it's honestly, I appreciate it. I'm like, oh, God, I've never fucked up so bad in my life. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the height. I do, but it's not hard to be taller than you. It really isn't. Both <laughs> <laughs> Billy's daughters are almost my height, and I don't even think they're allowed to go to – what are they? Are they even in middle school my eleven year old, My 11-year-old daughter is like three inches shorter than you. Yeah, well, who is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, you. That's embarrassing. You're like a hobbit. Oh, thank you. <laughs> right, right, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, Alan, um, I, I really want to. I, I mean, I'm super excited for you to talk about your company, Sysex Saul. Uh, did you you just got a, a contract with a city out here, correct, Richmond? If I if I remember correctly. So it's not Richmond. It's the city of Franklin. It's city Franklin, of Franklin. Excuse me. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah. So and we're really excited about well, that. I am, I am too, man. Because you, you haven't even had your LLC for a year yet. It's been, it's been like awesome. maybe not even two, well, almost two months, little that's over two months. Awesome. That's, that's yeah. pretty fucking cool, bro. Before we get into that, I wanna, I wanna talk to you about your time in the army. Uh, you did six years, right? Uh, got out yeah. as a specialist, E4 Mafia. Hey. And <laughs> what one deployment, correct? So I, I was in. I was in Bell Chase, Louisiana. I supported those who were downrange. I myself did not go. Okay. Um, so you, your phone gets the internet now. It gets the TV. Uh, so you, like the rest of us, have read all these instructions and these manuals and these referendums and whatever else the fucking leadership says that they're going to do, which all kind of sounds like political bullshit. Sounds like communism with extra steps, but whatever. Uh, so I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I would like to ask you a question as somebody who has actually been on the ground floor, has been in these positions and has had these experiences. Was it hard being black in the army? Yeah, definitely. I think really? I had to work twice as hard as everyone else. 
Did you did you work with mostly honkies? <laughs> You're funny as hell. Uh, yeah, I did. So in the Intel community, um, everyone looks the same. Civilian and military, everyone looks the same. That, that stereotypical white guy, right? Yeah. And obviously, I'm not white, and my name ain't Chad. Um, <laughs> Jesus that, Christ. I'm just saying. It, it's, no, it's, it's yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, it's. So when you when you got uh, to your first unit, like right out of the gate, did you recognize that there there may be some issues? Definitely, and I didn't go to just a regular unit either. My first unit, instead of going to a tactical unit, I went to a strategic unit. So my entire AO wasn't just some pretend battlefield over in Yakistan, right? It was actual South South America. So the whole South America uh, continent was our AO at Bell Chase, and there was a huge disparity between white people and black people, especially in the officer and enlisted ranks. Oh, do you have, do you have mostly white officers? I've never seen a, a black intelligence officer. Fucking answer that question. Um, no. did you, uh, <clears throat> do you, when you first got to that unit, when you first uh, checked into bell chase, first saw who you were working with, do you think that that, were you already aware of the disparities you might have to work with? Or when you got there and got boots on the ground in that location, did it then kind of become a little bit more clear how much harder you might have to work as opposed to your counterparts? Or were you prepared for that? Yeah, so I wasn't prepared for that. So growing up, um, too, as you know, I was probably one of few black people you knew back in 2003, 2004. And Sardinia, right? So I remember it was my, me, my sister, and and that's it. I, especially yeah. for everyone that went to... I can think of one or two other uh, people Then I don't think they were there at the same time as you. Yeah, no. He, so there was a guy named David Marbury. I met him for like the first time, and he was like, hey, my name is D. And, me, and I was trying to be cool, so I was like, hey, my name is Alan. So they called me A. And I thought it was the coolest thing since life spread. But I wasn't... I used to being around black people then, you know what I mean? And then yeah. growing up, moving back to the States when I was like 17, I went to a high school that was like 50% black people. And you coming from where we came from, mm -hmm. I, I was, shock. what is it? That was probably a big culture shock. Cause we, uh, there's, you know, let's not, let's, you know, let's not beat around the fucking bush. I would, I would be very comfortable saying that the majority of the, the time that we were in La Madalena, you were either white or Pacific Islander. Yeah. 100%. When you got, when you got to this unit, uh, how long did it take for you to, to clue in you were going to have to work harder unnecessarily? I'll tell you a story. So it's, it's a shame because I'm cool friends with all of them now. So it's weird. But they were all dicks. And they were all dicks. And I was a huge asshole. So um, – I had an attitude problem. I thought I was big shit and, and slowly found out that I wasn't. And I don't know if it was because I was a punk E3 that thought I, I knew what was going on, but they, they quickly put me in my place. And then when I first saw my black, the first black person working there, I was so excited. I was like, yo, staff started, what's happening? And she looked up and she kept on moving. I was like, holy shit, like, oh my God. Like I was excited to see her, but she was yeah. just so focused on her on her mission that she didn't even speak to me. So that's how that was probably a few months after I got there. 
You think maybe she lapsed in her head that maybe this brand new E3 is seeing the first black person in the Intel community after checking in here. Maybe they needed a little help. She was just like, no, nah, I got shit to do. Like, I, I don't no, know she I, was, in hindsight, I would have said that, but actually, like, she's like my best friend now. So it's weird. Um, so she was just focused on, but she was a black woman. She is a black woman who was a staff sergeant at the time, who was the eight, she was the assistant to the general, the two star general we had there. And we had a two star and a one star. So, like, an adjutant? Yeah, she was like, not, not their aide to camp. She didn't have time to stand around and talk to people, like, regardless of what was going on. The one and two star. Exactly. Track. I got you. Uh, yeah. How long – do you remember how long you were at that command before you started to feel comfortable? I don't think I ever you really did. felt That's comfortable. An answer. It's an appropriate answer if you never felt comfortable. Yeah, no, do you uh, – do you, re you recall being passed over for uh, positions or recommendations or awards and just kind of like in the back of your mind being like, I know why? Did you yeah, see so people around I, you getting I, maybe didn't deserve it? Yeah, hell yeah, man. So my my original uh, NCO, I, maybe, I, I mean, I got to admit, I was an asshole. Um, but I never got promoted. It's supposed to be in the Army. It's like, it's almost like, okay, it's January 2004. Time to get promoted, right? It's, it's like <laughs> clockwork, right? I was never promoted yeah. by him. So it was when something happened in our section. And I got placed with uh, a black NCO that I was promoted like that, like instantly. So exactly. oh. how'd that how'd that make you feel that it did I wanna I wanna ask this question, but I wanna feel like I'm pandering. Do you feel like it was because you were with a black NCO that you got promoted? Do you feel like maybe like finally somebody recognizes, but it took that uh, that other guy being out of the out of the picture for you to get what you think you were you were owed? I do because like so when I went from I was literally building intelligence products like legit in-house intelligence products classified briefings I never got recognized one time and I was giving those to one and two star generals right so I then went to the new section and maybe two months after I got there I got promoted but he was having a change of command a two star was having a change of command ceremony. I, I contacted all 36 of his units, right? So uh, Bell Chase is the largest two-star command in the whole army. So okay. he had 36 units underneath that one general. Wow. I contacted all of their CSMs, brought on their, um, what's it called? Their the, guidon? Yeah, their guidon. So their guidon for their commanders, which was uh, one-star uh, generals. So at least one-star generals, one-star generals or full bird colonels. And I brought all 36 by myself from 36 places throughout the United States. I held on to them, calculated, make sure they were all where they need to be. Because you lose a guide on, especially for a one-star general. I mean, you're going to get fucked up, right? Yeah. Um, so then they came for the change of command. The change of command went well. All 36 one-stars or colonels saluted. The change of command was great. They went then went back to their unit, and I then shipped all their guidons one at a time to the unit. That might seem simple. It's only 36 guidons. No, man, you it got was, 36 fucking guidelines. You got to ship properly <laughs> to the location in, exactly. in a time frame. Otherwise, they're going to find a reason to be fucking pissed. So, Thanks. Alan, we got a we got a question from one of our, our viewers here. Um, so I'm going to put it up on the screen so you could read it. I'm also going to read it out loud. Um, so Danique wrote, thanks for being so real. We all know what happens, but it's so crucial to bring it out and talk about this. So her question was, did the race factor sway your decision to leave the military? 
Yes. Like it definitely is. So like my dad is a, a 32 year Navy veteran, right? Um, I joined the army so I can, I really want to be in law enforcement, but I want to be in the national guard or reserves as an intelligence officer. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. So I tried hard before I even left active duty. Hey, I want to get a commission. I want to, I want to, I want to do something great. Right. I want to lead soldiers the way they need to be led. I never got that opportunity. I reached out to many and I was like, Hey, can you support me in my dream? And they're like, no, the only way I could get that commission was joining the National Guard as a 09 Sierra. Which Royal Canadian folks means what? Oh, sorry, it's an officer candidate in the United States. Okay, okay. So, right. We do have civilians that watch this. They're like, I don't know what his numbers meant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and by, uh, so, at the end of your enlistment, uh, when it was time for you to get out, what'd you do? Uh, so I got out. I joined the National Guard. Um, they said, hey, you can be an officer candidate. And I was like, okay, officer candidate, that's on the weekends. What am I going to do? It was literally every weekend. So most time you go National Guard Reserve, you go once a week. But not in the yep. Virginia National Guard doing OCS. You go every weekend. The okay. shit was tight. Um, and so I went back to school. So while I wasn't at uh, an officer candidate, I was at Old Dominion University getting my degree in criminal justice. Noise. Noise. Yeah. yeah. Sup, ODU? Give me free stuff. So right, Exactly. So, I love ODU. So, Hugh, um, we have another question from Jeannie. Jeannie's one of our um, our very avid listeners. Um, so I'm going to put this up on the screen. If you if you want to, Alan, you can address this now, or we could address this after the show. It's up to you, okay? Uh, it's kind of a lengthy question. So, <clears throat> And just so you know, she's in the – Sorry, Alan, it cuts cut your face off real quick. I apologize about that. But um, she's, an active, she's an active duty tech sergeant in the Air Force out there in uh, in Colorado. And she's a mental she's a mental health professional for the Air Force. So this is where this question's coming from. Culturally speaking, black males typically do not reach out for mental health support because of the image you're expected to display because of the very real negative impression it could have on you as a black male. Would you have any advice for black males today who are struggling with mental health issues? I would be interested to know if you ever faced any mental health issues and how one being an Intel, if that deterred you from getting support and two, if being, being black and in Intel and then it got, I'm sorry, Jeannie got cut off after that. Yeah, but that's a, that's we a could, deep question. Yeah. And no, and like I said, we could address that after cause we, we talked to Jeannie offline. So, no, I want, I want to talk. To, I want to talk about it now. I think Good. It's no, it's great. Go, uh, Alan, go ahead. It's all, your floor is yours, man. What, what, um, was, the first Jeannie, question? what was the first question, real quick? Uh, so here, I'll put it. You want me to put it back up there, Alan, for everybody? Go ahead. So, culturally speaking, black males typically do not reach out for mental health support because of the image you're expected to display, and because of the very real negative impression it could have on you as a black male. Would you have any advice for black males today who are struggling with mental health issues? She also said, I would be interested to know if you ever faced any mental health issues and how being an Intel, if that deterred you from getting support. And the second question, um, unfortunately got cut off. Uh, so yes. Um, I would say get help as soon as possible because no one, cares about your future and, the, and future career either in the military and civilian world more than you do. Um, I did not have the support of my chain of command. Um, I also, I thought about sharing this story and I decided I wasn't going to, but since you asked, 
maybe someone needs to know. Um, my uh, it Take was hard being black and in intelligence, right? So there's not a lot of black people in military intelligence, right? Um, so within that, our clearance, our top secrets are very, we, we keep them close to the chest because the moment you show in some kind of anything that can be manipulated or, or you can have be blackmailed about or shows that your mind is unstable, then they're going to yank your clearance. And if you get your, your clearance, then you can't work in Intel. And then you'll be either kicked out the army or you'll be put on like some BS job. De like I detail did or something. Yeah. Right. So I knew someone who was literally, he was black and in the Intel world and they would literally put monkey penises on his desk at work. He reported this. I saw the pictures for myself. Um, I'm pretty sure I can still find them somewhere. They will have stamps, monkey penises stamps, and they'll put it on his, like, little things on his desk, his books, or, or his screen. When he finally reported it, uh, he got in trouble. Um, he was the one that got messed up. So That doesn't even make any fucking sense. Yeah, so I, it, it doesn't at all. It was a horrible, it was, it was really bad. Jesus Christ! He got it doesn't even make any sense. You still he tell got people clearance taken away. You still you still tell people to reach out though, even though this guy he got in trouble. You you still encourage people to reach out for help. Yes, I do. Um, I do because because that guy was me. Um, this was on my desk, and when I got in trouble for it, um, they moved me to the office next door. And then I had to see the guy that was doing it over and over again. Cause I didn't even mean to say anything really. I was just talking to someone um, and we were just talking about some fucked up shit that we encountered in the army. And he was a staff sergeant, but he's like, yo, you know, I'm a sharp representative. I'm like, holy fuck. And I was like, dude, I was just talking Sex to you. That's it. Sexual assault and response, right? Uh, sharp? Something like that. I, I don't, I don't yeah. actually know. That um, position where he's supposed to be fucking helping people. And he's over there harassing and yeah. So it, it is what it is. And I was like, it was it, it sucked. Um, and I did get in trouble, and I got I got my clearance taken away. Um, Jesus Christ! And like, now walk with me through this. I had multiple pictures on multiple days because I would take. So if it happened, if they put it on the piece of paper, I would then go to my computer screen and take a picture of that picture next to the date and the time. Yeah. I had at least four or five different situations where I was able to do that. Um, nothing happened to them except I was taken away. My clearance was taken as well. And I got in trouble for, they said, cheating on my wife. Me and my ex-wife were getting divorced at the time. Oh, I think it was like, I, I literally got divorced the very next, the following week or something like that. Yeah. But it had nothing yeah. to do with it, but they were just pulling on strings. Just, you know, I, I, I kind of wonder, all these other fucking people in your office, were they fucking angels? Was there nothing negative going out in their fucking lives at all? I, I, I guess not. Um, but they would like, we would literally have so. I was kind of a straight, straight arrow, straight edge guy. Um, so I was a, a minister at the time. I took my, my religion very seriously at the time. Um, 
So every time like they'll they'll do story time, like when we go like on runs and stuff, like okay, story time. Um, and then they'll talk about some girl they banged out last night, right? And I could never really participate. It was never my thing because I I was I was a minister, right? Yeah. Um, so I already had me in that like okay, Walker never participates. You know, they already looked at me like the other guy, and I was I was black at the time. I mean, black at the time. I was black <laughs> and already other. So to be other yeah. while being other was just just fucked me up. So the second part of Jeannie's question is, I mean, and I'm just going to read this, Alan, but you've kind of already answered this is. Um, if being black and an intel deterred you from getting support, I just what just because it got cut off, but I mean, you've kind of already answered that. Um, Danique, Danique also put another comment up. She goes, That's why no one knows what sharp stands for, Alan. This is so fucked. I'm embarrassed for the military. I know that feeling <laughs> this behavior brings. So, yeah, Alan, I'm just sorry, man. I'm sorry you had to go through all that shit, dude. Um, just from the short time we've talked here, dude, you're you're fucking good people, man. And I'm just, I'm I'm, I'm fucking sorry, dude. It just sucks, you know. It's just, well, it's, Alan, man. I, you know, you did it. You did exactly. You, 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 I, I fucking knew it. You know, every time you read those fucking proclamations and dumb shit, these fucking fat ass cunts up in DC put out the fucking secretary of the army, secretary of the Navy, like we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And you're just over here. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like you're not going to fix any of these fucking problems. Cause you fat cunts won't come down here and talk to anybody, but you've had a shit, you had a shit time in the army, man. You, you had a yeah. shit fucking time in the army, but it didn't, it didn't keep you down. It didn't keep you down, no. man. You fucking thrived. You fucking kill. You're killing it now, man. And you're going to be killing it for the next four years. So when you when you got out of the army and you got into the guard, you were going to ODU. Tell us about your time at Old Dominion and what and what happened after that. So my my main goal was finishing my criminal justice degree so I can become a state trooper. And uh, and I got another story for you if you don't mind. No, go, oh, dude. Man, platform, it, platform's yours, bro. We told you, no time limit. Right. Go have at so, it. This is another race-related issue. It happened in Chesterfield, Virginia, and um, the Chesterfield Police Department. So I was already – so I flew back before I ETSed out the Army. I flew back to start taking the policing test for the, the Sheriff Police Department. Met Sheriff, the Chesterfield Police Department. And um, they loved me, man. They, it was great. So I did, like – Almost, I think it was like 80 something, 80, 90 push ups. I did like 90 to 100 sit ups. I did like the mile and a half run in like fucking seven minutes, seven and a half minutes or something like that. I was beast I mode activated. It. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, I went back then and I was like, okay, so I passed the physical. They invited me back for the test. The test, they told, they told me I got 40 out of 40, right? Um, and nice. I was like, great. So this is great. So then I was like, we move forward. So I was still in school and still officer at the candidate at the time. They sent me a, uh, uh, they sent me the approval so that you've been, you have a conditional offer for be a police officer in Chesterfield County, Virginia. I was like, great. Awesome. Then like a week and a half later, they sent it back and they said they rescinded their offer. So I was like, what the fuck? So I walk up there and I'm like, Hey, um, I listed everything. I was like, I'm uh, military intelligence. I have a get my degree in criminal justice. I have a top ticket clearance. I'm officer candidate, United States uh, Army National Guard. Oh, I placed third place in the Army's 10 mile race with, for teams. So oh. about 35,000 people running it. My team. Yeah, I, 
So I listen to everything. So no big deal. Everything. We got third place. You're wondering. I'm over here just slaying it. Give me a fucking yeah. explanation. Just so you know, right. I ran. I ran to the mailbox this morning and I got winded. <laughs> like, but yeah, but I was like, I I did it. So I was like, yo, and I listed everything out. I was like, you can actually go to Chesterfield County, Virginia, um, the the website and yeah. look at the reviews. And I left them a lengthy review. Um, and I was like, yo, so why'd y'all resend the offer? I'm the best candidate you have. Nobody beat me. And they said so you they the couldn't best tell me. They've ever fucking had. There's exactly. no fucking way they've ever had somebody better than you. Exactly. Like I'm my whole life has been scripted. Like I want I, I joined the army so I can be a, a state trooper. I did I got my criminal justice degree so I can be a state trooper. I, I, everything I did was for my future. You went down on this and you were checking every fucking box on the way back. Check, <laughs> check, 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 check. Um and then so that, that happened. And and then furthermore, um, this is also in Chesterville, Virginia. This guy, so I was driving my truck. I had a 2015 Ram 3500. The sucker was sexy. Oh, she was bad. <laughs> um, so I'm driving this. This thing is huge, right? It's one of the biggest trucks you can get. So I'm driving this thing, um, and I have Washington State license tag for my last unit, JBLM, Fort Lewis. So I'm over here driving, and this guy just out of nowhere that starts chasing me, right? So he's chasing me for like two or three minutes. I'm going through Kroger parking lots. I'm going through food line parking lots. I ended up going the wrong way on the highway to get away from him. So I get away from him. Happens again. So I'm over here. So I'm driving home from work. And I was like, hey, and I was living in an RV behind my dad's house. And I was like, hey, dad, the same guy's chasing me again. So I was calling him. And he was, on the, the, he was in the car with my mom. And they were at Kroger. So he was like, yo, come to Kroger, come to Kroger right now, come to Kroger right now. So I was like, so he's still chasing me. So I'm like, I end up going to Kroger. My dad blocks him in. I come up behind him. And my dad's like, hey, Robin, my middle name is Robin. So he's like, hey, Robin, Robin, back up, back up, back up. And I'm like, what? No, dad, this fool been chasing me for two, twice. And I was just upset. And my dad's like, back up. And the guy was holding two guns on my dad. Two guns. And I'm taking like a lot of pictures. So you, you can go to my Facebook and you can look at the pictures. So remember, all the pictures I, remember, I posted I on Facebook. When you were posting the story, man. It was fucking terrible. Right. So I, I like, remember. So I, I back up. I back up, but I'm still taking a bunch of pictures and stuff. My dad's still on. Like he's my dad's being still held at gunpoint, and I don't know that. So I'm still acting all kinds of ignorant. And then um. So finally, he he goes to my dad, and he was like, "No, your son's a nigga with a nice truck. He has um, out-of-state license plates. He's a human trafficker. That truck don't that truck don't belong to him. All that stuff." So we do a police report. He's a volunteer police officer with the Chesterfield County Police Department. Of course he is. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> I, I I go away. I drive away. Woo woo. About a month or two later, the same guy is chasing me again. I call my mom. Hey, mom, this guy chased me again. It's in the morning, maybe like six o'clock. And I was like, well, he chased me again. He chased me again. And he hits me. He flips me like three times. That's also on my Facebook page. Those, and it's on I my Instagram. Um, my Instagram is pedestrian underscore, underscore walker. So anyone can go up there and look at those pictures from when I was flipped upside down from this guy. And then, so I had a dash cam because of the first two incidents, right? Dash cam recorded all of it. And the police said he had tenant windows. And they couldn't say that he did it for sure because he denied it. So that was yeah, that. And this, this is Chesterfield? Chesterfield County, Virginia. And he lived in Denbury. That's the closest I was ever able to get the information. Hey, Chesterfield County, Virginia Police Department. You guys are a bunch of fucking assholes. Yeah. So, and I heard it was a good old boy system there. Um, 
Oh yeah. I just I like feel like it was true. Sounds oh, like watching country yeah. sure. So Every well we got we got two uh two comments, Alan, that I want to put up here real quick. Uh, they're for you, brother. On another note, thank you for sharing and being uh, vulnerable with us. No one deserves the kind of harassment or abuse. I'm so sorry you ever had to experience that. That's coming from Jeannie. Jeannie's uh, one of our good friends. And this is this is from Danique. For real, to second Jeannie, thanks, for, thanks to all of you broaching the scary topic of race and being so honest and open. So, yeah, Alan, man, I'm just um, – you know, I you know in the green room, I told you, I told you, I told you about my my experience um, when I was trying to be a police officer down here. It's one of the things that actually deterred me from pursuing a career in law enforcement, and actually made me step back. Um, like I, I said, you know, I was born and raised in New York, in the city in Long Island, and I have a lot of friends. Where I grew up, it was you did a couple of things: you were either a firefighter, a police officer, yeah. or you did some kind of trade like plumber, electrician, or something like that. That's just the dynamic of where I grew up. That's what you did. So I have a lot of friends in the NYPD. And <clears throat> like I told you, I don't see color. I see respect, you know, respects earned and respects given and th that, you know, but after my, my incident and then hearing about this, you know, be him being a volunteer police officer, it just, it makes me sick. Cause there, there are good cops out there. There really are. Um, yeah, and that what sucks is when you have police officers like that with what you went through, it makes me sick to my fucking stomach, dude. And I'm just, I'm just glad you're okay, bro. You know what I mean? I'm glad, that, I'm glad you weren't Alan, hurt. Alan, tell us about, um, <clears throat> do you, do you remember the time that you decided you were going to go from law enforcement to cybersecurity? Do you remember what it was? What happened? Yeah. Um, so I had so I had two friends, um, uh, Rachel and Tristan. Um, they're both white. She's white woman. He's a white male. Um, they're they're like my best friends, right? We did everything in, in graduate school together. Um, and I was like, hey, um, like so. Her dad was a full bird colonel. He was like a genius when it comes to developing and everything. We're like, hey, let's let's start a business. Let's start an idea. Um, and I was like, yeah, hell yeah, let's let's do that. So when we were thinking about that, um, me and Tristan finished grad school and got offered like crazy money, right? Rachel, who was the smartest of us both, got offered $55,000. And I'm like, how did we not even, we're more than double that and her being the smartest person between us. Yeah, $55,000. And we told her not to take it. And she was out of work well, for hold a on, year. Hold on. Was um, by the same companies, by similar companies, by competing companies, it's not like you guys were offered from like Fortune 500s and she was offered like from a Fortune 50, right? Like you guys were all offered, made this offer by companies that were in like a similar playing field, right? So let me say this. Me and Tristan right now both work and are the subject matter experts in fortune 50 companies these okay. are the same employers that hired all three of us or not hired all three of us would have hired all three of us but she got offered 55 instead of me and tristan getting offered 100 plus okay by, by a fortune 50 as well yes that's fucked up Hers was a it was a shipping company that's fucked up i'm not gonna say which but yeah no, it was fortune, fortune. so my mind started wondering, um, 
they start wondering when I was like, I got this job where I work where where I work at my my career besides my company. Um, I went I went there and I was like I, I was looking at corporate and I remember my first day there and like a you know those uh those, it's like when you get hired there you get to like a bunch a group of people and it's like a yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, there we go. Like, yeah, like yeah. Your, your, yeah, your job in doc training or whatever it is. It's like, exactly. here's your employee handbook. Let's yes. read page one. Were you? Blah, you? Blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So I said, so we, and we had maybe like maybe 200 people inside there. And um, everyone was telling about like, where are you going to work at within the company? And I said it, I was like, hey, I'm going to go work here. And they're like, no, that must be a mistake. And I was like, no, I'm going to go work here. And they're like, no, there's no one. I mean, hardly ever people go work there. And then once they work there, they don't, they didn't say they don't look like you, but that's what they were saying. Yeah, they were um, implying that because you're black, you could not possibly be working in that department for more than a couple years. Right. So, as, as, as they, somebody uh, like clean the floor, or like turn on the computers in the morning. Exactly. And I got, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this story. So I, I then I went there and then I saw there's no, there's no um, black people that work there. Um, and that's the one of the main reasons I decided I decided to grow out my hair, um, and oh, I already had tattoos. Thank you. And I, I have tattoos already, but I'm completely covered. Um, and I was like, I'm glad I don't look like the normal person that works here. And like the first the first day I went there, the guy he asked me for my ID, and I thought, okay, I'm new here. It's, it's, I think he's supposed to ask me for my ID or whatever. Then he was like, well, you're talking on the phone, and you're not supposed to be talking on your phone. Even though we don't work at a factory, we're supposed to pretend, even in the parking lot, we're supposed to be working, um, pretend we're working on the factory. So they'll walk in and talk on the phone, because it's dangerous. I'm like, okay, okay, you're right, you're right. I mean, I don't know. I just started working here. And he's like, you know what? Tell me who your manager is. And I was like, oh, snap. Um, here's my manager. And then he's like, well, and he just talked me for like 20, 30 minutes. Just telling me how wrong I was, and I was like, I don't, like I'm, I was just sitting there taking it. Um, so then I emailed my manager, who works offsite at another location. Like, hey, this happened. I'm sorry, but um, I was walking and talking, and like I still have the military army mindset. So I, I reported to my spirit. This is what I did. I was wrong, right? Um, yeah. Then he's like, well, that's not really accurate. Who was the guy? And I told him he was like, well, he works for you. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you're you're a manager, right? You have people who report, and I'm over here oblivious because I'm a uh, I am a manager, uh, and I'm also an individual contributor. So this guy oh, this is great. ended up coming back to me for his evaluation. Be like, hey, motherfucker, <laughs> welcome yeah. to the dance, bitch. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, huh? So, uh, do you, do you guys so you, smell that? Do you smell that in the air? It's karma. You start you start working at this company and uh you you, you notice that they, they clearly uh, apparently very obviously there are not gonna be a lot of people in there who look like you. When did you start the thinking process to starting your own company? Right there. That that same right, so that, that same week. So that, so that, that, that incident kind of snowballed into starting your own company, like that specific. Yes. Wow. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. I love, I love when people have, they know exactly that, that specific moment. Like whenever you watch yeah. interviews for people that own these huge companies and that question is always asked, when did you know? And I love, I don't, I, I love when it's a, a very specific detail. 
Not like, yeah. oh, you know, I was just growing up and I love this. And no, it's like, no, on August 12th, 2007, it's 3.47 <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> this is what happened. And that's why I rule half that's the world now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, how long between that incident did your company, Cybersecurity uh, Cybersecurity Solutions, how long between that incident uh, and the day that you got to say, I fucking own this, I own this company. So I, I started a pilot program. Um, I used two of my friends. I was like, this is my idea. I want to get more people of color and people who look different and unique into cybersecurity. So I want y'all to get your masters in cybersecurity. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, there's it's good money. Y'all can make it. There's, there's, there's not a lot of people that look at look like you. I just want, I just want to see if y'all can do it, and I'm gonna help y'all out. So I emailed the prof my professor, Dr. Wu, and who is a director for cybersecurity um, at Old Dominion University, and I was like, hey, I, I got a couple of people that I want to get into the cybersecurity program. So we did. So they, they started. They now both have a, a master's in cybersecurity. One, one, her name is Malia Hill. The other name is uh, Lamar Pierce. And and now they're both, I mean, they're both in the industry. Uh, I believe Malia is still a, a cybersecurity teacher. And then uh, Lamar is still working at the DOD. But they're still, I mean, they have a master's now. So then at, a year after that is when I applied for my LLC. And okay. as you, you see me right there. So that's a couple of people that are at my house recently. Um, we now have 31 people within my company and we started off with Holy just shit. the two. Yeah, really? My company's only been here for two hold months. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How, how long did it take to go from two people to, what did you say, 31? Yeah. How long? Oh, I lied. I lied. I just got another person today. So 32 people today. <laughs> how long did it yeah. go from two to 32? How long did that take? Uh, maybe two months. Oh, maybe yeah, no big deal. Man, uh, even Steve yeah. Jobs could start Apple in that amount of time, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's, awesome. Awesome. So that's fucking how dope, man. How do you recruit these people? How do you how do you find how do you find them? Like, how do you how are you? Because I assume you knew some of these people, and then some of them referred others to you. But what's the plan to branch out and recruit the types of people that you're looking for to raise up a community that has been kind of kicked and put and kept down what, what what's the plan what's the next what's the next step um right now i'm growing so fast that this took me by 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 storm like i didn't i wasn't ready for this um but how i meet them is it's just talking like like i met so i yesterday i had an appointment with a girl named chelsea chelsea s uh in suffolk and i met her because she was my waitress when i went to the um it's called decoys in Suffolk, Virginia. And we just start talking. So that's how I meet people. I just start talking and saying, Hey, what do you like to do? What's your passion? Do you have, do you have vision right now? And then they say, no, I'm like, what do you think about cybersecurity? And if they sound like they're interested, then I'll say, Hey, I can help you get into cybersecurity and doing something you love and working, making your own schedule because I wake up whenever I wake up and I stop work whenever I stop work. Right. Um, and this is what I just do. I just meet people. And most of my company is, so I do not have any white males. Um, I have, wait, 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 wait. Yes, I do. Oh my gosh. So there's this guy. There's this guy. His name is Chappelle. Clifford Chappelle. He was in prison for almost 25 years. Holy shit. 
Shit. Yeah. Never seen a computer before. And what? he is in my company. And I'm like, if I can get you to make it, then my this story, this testimony what? will be huge. That's he's a gang. He's a he's a former gang member. He's a uh, he was in the, a gang, uh, the Crips. I'm pretty sure you heard of it. It's a black gang. This is a white guy with red hair, right? So oh he literally God. has tattoos from his head all the way to his feet on his eyelids, every, neck covered in tattoos. This oh. is this is a guy that you look at and you walk on the other side of the street. And he's working with me now. So I got well, well, a... Besides all the tattoos and all that, you I want to go back to what you said. He's never seen a computer. Nope. I can teach anyone cybersecurity. I just need you, you to want to learn. You that's, said that's 25 years he was in prison? 25 years. That dude was in prison longer than the CD player has been around. He is 36 years old. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. He did some horrible things. Yeah, but that's the past. And he, he, did not. he met he met good people like you that are fucking, mm -hmm. you know, giving him an opportunity to succeed in life. Holy shit. Exactly. And teach and teach I, them a kick ass fucking field and mm -hmm. trade. That, dude, that's Alan. No, I, good I on, introduced good him on to, you, man. Good on you, man. So that's awesome, bro. Everybody in my in my company knows him. And I'm like, and they're like, they're just amazed. Because like, how can you like, like literally he's been in and out of prison his entire life. He's never been out longer than a few months because he's always been doing something. So on these, like on, when we have our Zoom meetings, I'm like, hey, Clifford, hey, not Clifford, I say chap, hey, chap, show him your tattoos, flip his eyelids up, all this other stuff. This, this is a gnarly dude who's been in and out. He's been institutionalized his whole life. Yeah. If I can get him to be here and be great, then anyone can. And right beside him, Right beside him, I have a 19-year-old that doesn't want to go to college who just wants to um, uh, get certifications, and he'll be just as profitable as I am in a year or so. And then I have, uh, on the other side of the spectrum, I have a lieutenant colonel. Um, lieutenant colonel, hold on, I'm not drawing a no, Elliot Galloway. Lieutenant Colonel Elliot Galloway. He's on the same playing field as an offender who's been locked down 25 years of his life. The same. So when I speak to my team, every time I, I approach them, I say, hey, team, this is what we're doing today. Hey, team, this is what we're doing this week. Everyone is even. I'm not above them, and they're not above me. We're all learning together on the same field. That's so phenomenal, man. That's, that's fucking great. So I want to so tell you about other people. Um, in my company. So I do, I have another, so Lamar Pierce, I mentioned earlier with my test yeah. dummy when I yeah. first started, he has two master's degrees, right? He has one in mechanical engineering and he has one in cybersecurity now. Um, and then also, so I have a, I have a freshman named Chandler, first name Chandler. I won't mention her last name, but she is yeah, a freshman in college, just, start, just started cybersecurity, doesn't know anything about it, but she has to drive to learn. And again, she's on the same field as the captain I have who is actively deployed to South Korea right now. I have people in South Korea. I have another gentleman in uh, Germany. He's not officially part of my company yet, but he's he told me his of his intention to work for me. And he's in Germany right now making great money, but there's also, there's always there's always a better, better opportunity. There's always a better opportunity yeah. out there if you're willing to work for it and work, work yeah. in the hustle for it. 
That's fantastic, yeah. man. Bro, I'm so glad he was my instructor. Oh, no, hold on. He was the guy in Germany. Was your instructor where? My Army Intelligence instructor at Fort Machuca, Arizona. Shut the fuck up. That's <laughs> serious. That's fucking fantastic. This is great, man. I love this. And like, shit. I look. He sent me his resume. That's how serious he is. He sent me his I, resume, and I'm and I'm reading ten pages of just pure awesomeness, and I'm like, wow. Just in 2013, 2012, you were you were teaching me. You were you were teaching this little E3 who knew nothing, and now you're sending me your resume to come work for me. You know, that's fantastic, bro. Oh man, I'm so, I'm so glad to hear that you're fucking killing it, man. You're, le yeah, you're legitimately yeah. not only are you legitimately killing it in an industry that is on it, it, it's not even up and coming anymore. We're just the general public is just pretending that cybersecurity is not We're that here deal anymore. Yeah. You're 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 absolutely there, and you're making a difference, and you're recruiting people. People who know what they want to do and know how they want to accomplish it and are driven and they're passionate. And, oh man, I, I can't wait. You know, you've had this LLC for two months. You've gone from two to 32. I can't wait to see where you are in six months, man. I cannot wait to see where you are in six months. I'm so, so excited. I've, I've been contacted. Um, I've been contacted by a department of defense agency. A three-star agent, a three, a three-letter uh, agency. Okay. Already. Oh, an, um, an they want, corporation. They want to uh, basically filter my people from their training for a year with me, and just push them straight to them. Um, so we have a possibility of of maybe maybe um, guaranteeing a job after you leave me after a year because my program is a year long. Um, and then if, and if I work with this agency, the people in my program will go from students to be in, to be an active participants in the department of defense, um, like that. That's amazing. You, and you, you wrote your own program. So, uh, no, <laughs> what I did, no, because I, I told them last night, so I have an executive team. I have a, about a five person executive team. Um, okay. And they come from all, all walks of life, all spaces, all walks of life. So, my one of my team members, his name is Reginald Ralph. He has eleven. Okay, that is such a kick-ass fucking name, <laughs> right? He, it, right? He's amazing. I watched a movie. So, that guy was the main character. <laughs> he's he has eleven certifications. He works for the United States Navy, civilian contractor. Um, he has, I think, no, he has one master's in cybersecurity, another one in in. Um, IT, and then he has an associate as well. He has everything. And this dude has a crazy resume. He's my partner. Um, then I have Lamar Pierce, who was my the student that I said get through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lamar Pierce, his specific... Um, so Reggie is really good at the IT part, at the information technology part. Uh, Lamar is good at the mechanical engineering part. Ariel Ramos, who is also a member of my executive team, he's good at the business part, the money management part. Um, we have Malia Hill as well. So she was from uh, my, my pilot pilot program. So she's in there as well. And then we have, um, this is, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. Oh, man, I don't know. 
But yeah, I'm, like, I'm just excited. But he's getting his PhD right now in biochemical or bio uh, bio cybersecurity or something like it is amazing. Like so, I have people across the gamut. No one looks like me. No one has the same resume as me. But they all fit different sides that I want to offer to people who work with me. The the interns, the uh, the people who come to me and say, "Hey, teach me cybersecurity so I can go out and make." massive amounts of money, right? And I'm telling them, so one of the big things I'm, I'm sharing with them is all of my mistakes. And you might say, oh, wait, why are you, why are you sharing your, your mistakes? Like I, I brag on my mistakes more than I brag on my successes. My mistakes have made me and brought me to where I'm at here. And if I'm trying to propel people, real people to go further than I am, then I need to tell them all the pit holes I fell inside or I fell into. But they can avoid that and say, oh, no, Alan did that already. Or Alan did that in that situation. Let me not do this and that. Let me go straight over here because that's a straight arrow. That's where that's he's at. That's why I'm going to go past that's quality right. leadership right there. Tell us real quick what what are what are the, some of the lows between when you got out of the army and when you graduated from ODU because you've you've mentioned them on your Facebook before. Tell these people that it's not you know it's not constantly a positive. Tell no, tell us what you know. Tell us where you've been, man. Tell us tell us some of your lows. So my my dream job is to be in law enforcement to be a state trooper. Um. Excuse me. I've applied at least 10 times to different agencies and I've never been picked up once. I have a lot of degrees. I am physically fit. I can do I can do anything. There's nothing I can't do. The other day I started running for the first time um, in, a, in maybe a year or two. My first mile that that on that Monday was like a nine minute mile. By that Friday, I was hitting a 5.30 mile because I want to, right? Jesus. So if there's – even in OCS, right? I'm I sorry, got Alan, lost. Alan, really quick. Billy, you're muted. We no, I was, was going to say five minutes. It took me five minutes to get to the, the mail this morning. <laughs> that it, it would take me five days to run a mile. Hey, you're a big boy, though. Yeah. <laughs> I like food, so no, man. So, I just I eat food in five minutes. Uh, <laughs> you might have seconds. You look like you have seconds sometimes. I do. I have, I have thirds. I have thirds. Don't bring me to a buffet. You go broke. <laughs> hey, I'll come drug and word of cybersecurity. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hey, I mean, I, you know, no shit, though. We might be talking after this, man. I'm telling you right now. I'll tell you because I've been taking some coding classes and stuff like that, trying to get into – we're going to talk. I'll tell you. We're going to talk. So I, I maybe – I'm thinking maybe I should stop saying this. But everyone that works for me, I tell them I guarantee six figures. I guarantee it. So if I teach you everything I know, if you are interning with me for a year, you not only graduate from my program with the knowledge and, and knowing how to use effective cybersecurity, but you're, you'll be getting degrees in that time. You'll be getting um, certifications in that time. So if you got the trifecta of all certifications, education, and experience, and I'm making this same price point with what you have, then you can make the same price point at what I'm making right now. So that's what I guarantee. I guarantee six figures. 12 months and one day from now, you'll be making a lot of money. Just give me 12 months. Yeah, man. 
about my lows. Let me let me tell you about my lows though. Uh, I'm happy. I'm excited because again, my lows define and bring me to where I'm at. Right. So being my dream job being a state trooper, that's a thirty six. $40,000 a year job. 40000 um, if you're lucky. <laughs> like Right. So I'm, I make that very quickly now. I made that Friday. I would give all of that. I, I, I'd give up all of that if I could become a state trooper today. And I'm not. And that is, it's hard to know what you were designed for. Like, I know I was supposed to be a state trooper. I, I, was, I was just made to be in the state police. That's just... I have that demeanor, right? I just I want to help people. I want to get on that yeah. road and save people's lives. That's just I'm here. Yep. Um, and that goes. I know I'm, I'm about to jump here, but bring it back to you. That goes to SciSexO. So I had an opportunity with a three-letter a- agency, and I'm still thinking about. I'm mulling it over. I got contacted by the state, the city of Franklin police chief. Me and him were at a, a volunteer event together, and we just started talking. And all all happens when you start talking to somebody. Yep. So we just started talking, and I was like, "Hey, man, like, let me help you out. I know cybersecurity. I'm not sure how how strong your infrastructure is to your network or to your policing, but maybe I can help you. Like, we can afford you this and the other. I was like, what if I work part time? So I kept emailing him. He's like, maybe you can work. So he's like, okay, maybe you can work part time. And then the city council shot that down or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can just volunteer. I'm me and my company. We're doing a. Um, we have a conference, and I had literally people flying in from Louisiana. To come to my conference, and um, wow. so I was like, "Hey, just send one of your police officers free of charge. I won't charge you at all." He's like, "No, we can't do that right now." So then, like, I beg him again, "Hey, um, I, I I noticed that you don't have the right infrastructure to do this." And he's like, "Well, we don't have the money to do that." And then I was like, "Okay, I gave up." He sends me an email saying, "Hey, we're having some issues within our city. What do you know about surveillance?" And at the time, I didn't know anything about surveillance. And I'm like, okay, um, if I don't know, my partner knows. Because once again, I partner, my executive team, I I made it so that everyone has a reach somewhere, right? You, you so built the, You built a team of people with specialties so that you exactly. were not a specialist on one thing, but you were a team of specialists on multiple multiple fronts. Exactly. So I told him, I don't know, but I can get back to you. So – that, that next week, we got back to him. He was like, hey, let's start. A, let's have a meeting. Me and my partner went to the meeting. It was great. And then the chief of police emailed me and said, hey, I think I might be able to get this amount of money. What, what, do you, what can you do with this amount of money? I was like, hey, I can do it for less than that. And I was like, I, can, I know I shouldn't have said that, but I was that adamant about still working with law enforcement. And so today, and I'll tell you today, before I even tell my, well, I told my executive team, but I didn't tell my, my company. Once again, they're all teammates. No one's higher than the other. Uh, so I tell them the direction that we're going. I make sure they know what direction we're headed. Um, so today we got the the quote back. We got it for seventy thousand dollars under where we were supposed to get it at, and and all we had was three weeks. He said, but it was like maybe the middle, the beginning to middle of December when we got everything, what we needed to do for the city. Today we got our answer, and it was seventy thousand dollars under budget. That's fucking fantastic, man. That's a huge deal coming coming in under budget. Is it? I, I, you know, I, you know, that's amazing. uh, Alan, you know, and Billy, you know, I work with the CBs, and every time, you know, everything that we build, you know, it has a price point every two by four, every box of nails, and so on. $70,000 under budget, regardless of what what it is, is a phenomenal feat. 
I don't think and people I, really really I grasp be, the concept of how much seventy thousand is. I, I swear to God, I, I I don't know that there's been any time that I've seen something come in seventy thousand under budget, regardless of the price point. I've, I feel like the majority of the things that I do, at least in my community, in construction and facilities maintenance, we just we need a little bit more money. We need a little bit more money. We need a little bit more money. And seventy thousand under budget, Alan, is it's fantastic, man. And it's a huge feat, regardless of what it is. Yeah, especially on yeah. especially so, on your scale too. And that gets your company's name spread like wildfire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to be able to, oh, yeah. to do. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start, start printing uh, printing stickers with Sisex Solo LLC on and tagging the city buildings all on my way up to Maine. <laughs> oh, um, sorry. My my fifth uh, teammate. His name is Xavier Palmer. Xavier Palmer. He's a guy that's getting a PhD, but he's also getting a master's at the same time. Holy oh, shit! Like, cool. Yeah. That's great. So, like I said, it took me five five minutes to get to the mailbox. I can't pass fucking pre-calculus five times in a row. This guy's over here getting a fucking doctorate degree and a fucking master's. I got to call some fucking people, man. Yeah. Get some- and he's, the, he's like the editor, the lead editor for the graduate uh, newsletter as well. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So like, he's, fantastic. he's amazing. And the thing, the, the thing that connects all of us is just cybersecurity and the people. So let me tell you about the people who come to work with me. Right. For me, I say teammates. I say, right. Um, and they, phone call. Um, so here's the thing. I charge people $100 for this, right? I, I charge them. So Hugh, let's say for instance, you're interested in my company. I say, hey, Hugh, pay me $100, right? Um, and I tell people, $100 was a lot to me, right? $100 was a lot to me when I didn't have anything, right? And then now... Before, before Mil- Malia and before um, uh, uh, Lamar, I was helping other people out, and they would take it and they would just they'll use some of it, and they'll they won't use some of it. They'll they'll listen to me and then they'll leave, right? But if you have that hundred dollars invested in me, I know that you're serious because hundred dollars once again is a lot of money to people, and Absolutely. so I charge them hundred dollars. But with that, they're getting skills that will make them six figures in a year. And there's no company across the great United States that will charge you a hundred dollars to make a six figure income. And, and so this, these certifications that I'm helping them get that I'm aiding in them and I'm teaching them, coaching me and my team that are coaching them. Thank, thank, thank God I got uh Reggie Ralph, Reginald Ralph. Um, but these people that I have teaching them, right. They're free too. They're not, they're not charging. They're not doing anything. So it's just $100 and you will get paid like six figures. And then on top of that, once you go and get those certifications, like once, so in the state of Virginia, the Security Plus certification gets you $75,000 for salary right now. And it costs $339 to take that Security Plus exam, right? So what you do, Hugh, you gave me your $100. When you graduate with your certificate in Security Plus, I give you back $339. Guinness, we're so switching I'm majors. not... I'm not making money here. So I'm whatever. It's up to you. If you want to get that certification, get the certification. If you want to get three certifications, get three certifications. I'm going to pay you whatever it costs to get that certification. I'm going to reimburse you because I'm not in here for making money. I make enough right now just from my, my, from my, where I work at in my career. My company yeah. is to get other people out who, who normally wouldn't look the mold, who wouldn't look like the stereotypical button up guy, no tattoos and, yeah. 
it's clear. You know what I mean? I'm not looking you're for not, perfection. Not, you, want, you want people who want to go to work and make a difference. You're looking for people who, yes. regardless of what they look like, have passion and they care about what they're doing and they want to go to work and they want to feel some job accomplishment. They want to feel some satisfaction with their fucking work, regardless of what the fuck they look like. Because that mold right, doesn't exactly. exist. That mold, it doesn't and it shouldn't exist anymore. It's not fucking 1950. It's not 1960s, 1970. It's not Goodfellas. It's not The Godfather. It's not fucking Revenant. It, I don't think the Reverend was the right one. What was the one I'm thinking of? The Irishman. It's not any of that fucking time anymore. It's time for breaking molds. It's time for changing shit. It's time. It's a time for changing the way we look at things. It's a time for saying, this is what this person is capable of, and this is what I need. Let's make this happen. What the fuck does it matter what you look like? Yeah, Hugh, let me tell you, man. I So I go to my, my business, my company cafeteria, and I've never once seen someone else ask someone for their ID. I, when I was going to that, to that cafeteria, I was asked at least once a week, do I work here? Am I in the right location? When I go to meetings, they're like, Jeez. hey, this meeting is for this. We're about, so literally, they'll be right beside me. And they'll say, this meeting is about me. I'll go over this and this. And, and what are you like an intern, right? So we're about to teach you this, this, and this. And then the doors will close. And I would get up and say, no, I'm Alan Walker. This is my meeting. I'm about to be here to teach you what to do, yeah. right? That happened to me all too much where people didn't even think, one, I was leading the meeting, two, I was in the right place, or even if I had the right to be there. And once again, I work at a Fortune 50 company. I'm not going to tell you which one, but it's up there. Yeah. Uh, Alan, really quick, uh, Billy, if you wouldn't mind, the, one of the last questions posted in the comments, do you have it available? Yes. Alan, this is a, a question from you. Uh, how does your uh, company make any pro make profit? Uh, just like I tell my team, I'm not trying to make profit. I'm just trying to get people. I always say people like me in spaces where we aren't normally welcomed. So I don't care about making profit. I, you, you invest in me, you're giving me your hundred dollars. Then I'll put that in a little piggy bank for when we make, have a, so when we, uh, do workshops at the workforce development center in Franklin, Virginia, we use that money to then rent out that building for that day or buy pizza for everyone. We're not here to make money. We're here to help people. And that's literally what we're doing. You can ask anybody in my company, hey, are those any like routine fees or, or is there anything that, that he charges them? No. He asked for $100 one time and he coaches me any day of the week because we have an app that we use. He coaches me any day of the week. I can ask any kind of question. I, I can ask him any time, of, any time of the day. He's going to respond to me. He's going to coach me. He's going to teach me. And all he asks for $100. And he guarantees six figures. And I do guarantee six figures. If someone looks at your resume and then looks at my resume and say, Hey, Alan, you're worth a hundred thousand dollars, but Hugh, you're worth only $30,000. That's a problem. And that shouldn't be the problem. So I'm making people's resumes reflect my own or even better than my own. And I say, Hey, get out there and go to this job because they'll give you what you deserve. So it's like, so I have no certifications, not, not a single certification, but I know they're important in this trade. So that's why I got Reggie. Reggie has, 11 different certifications to include CISSP, CISM, the Security Plus, uh, freaking, like he has every, he has ethical hacking. He has everything. So people who want to go to certifications, they can ask him. He's my IT guy. I'm the information uh, security guy, the IS guy. And I teach IS, but we cover every spectrum to make sure that person or you, we make sure you look right to the main, to demand that salary that you deserve. So you're not, you're not interested in making money. You make enough money, like you said, from your, 
from another career. This yeah. is this is more of a passion project for you. This is you getting people into a community. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh, my brother Dinesh. He says that's great. It sounds amazing and great for your customers, but is that the best way to run a business if you're not making profit? But you're not in it to make profit. You have another company. You have another job. You have another career that pays you. This is a passion project. This is the the minimum amount necessary for you to get to these these people to the next level in their life to the next to the a career not just a job to the next um the next pay bracket to be competitive into the yeah. next level of life for them that's that's what that's what you're doing exactly i i am because i like you can you can work a nine to five and be happy but a lot of people aren't aren't happy working a nine to five and and I like I said I work for a legit company and I don't work a nine to five I go to work when I want to go to work I'm an individual contributor I work at my own pace and I teach people to work at their own pace too like it you don't have to kill yourself like I I'm tired of just surviving life like I want to live it and I want to give other people an opportunity to live it as well I do make a lot of money that's why I can afford to pay people back for the certifications that they get right yeah. I just that's want you to make it that. if you make it. Sorry, that's why you can afford to ask for just the basic amount. That's why you can afford to say, yeah. hey, listen, this is the minimum amount that I need to help you get to the next phase. This is you giving back after uh, you you gave all that time to the army and you gave all that stress to the army. And then you put in all that effort into school. And now you, you finally have this job. You finally you worked your way to the position where you can say, awesome, I'm now in a spot where I can help you reach – your next potential. I can give back to the community. I can give back to people that have desires and have passions and feel the same way that I do. Exactly. 100%, sir. It's fucking fantastic, man. It's great. So also, like the people on my team, like the people who are learning underneath us, um, with the, with the, with certain jobs like the city of Franklin, like right now, even if they don't get paid, and even as people, the 32 people that come to me and say, hey, I'm working with you now, even if they don't get paid, the city of Franklin is going to offer them not just experience running surveillance tools that they can then add to their resume, which will then get them paid for what is on the experience on their resume, but it's going to offer them background checks. In order to work with this city, state agency, they're going to have to be, they're going to have to have a background check ran on them to make sure that they are qualified to see what they're going to be seeing in this, in this city. Right. Um, yeah. So they're already going to be having a leg up. So when they go to their future employers, they're going to be like, Hey, I, I don't have a, a security clearance, but I haven't had a background check around me by this city before. And furthermore, yeah. um, so the money that I saved the company, I, mean, I saved the city. I'm going to ask this, the chief that, Hey, I want these people to get paid. Like it's great yeah. that a volunteering, this experience is great. It will get them paid. But if I can put some money in their pocket, then hell yeah, I'm going to put some damn money in their pocket. And the chief knows this, my executive team knows this, and my team knows this. I tell them, hey, you're not getting paid now, but I'm going to break my back trying to get you this $70,000 that we saved the city. Al, that's, that's fantastic, man. Bro, I, I can't thank you enough for being here with us tonight. I can't thank you enough for speaking about your experiences in the Army, man, which were absolute – just sound like they're absolute fucking shit. And we, we clearly have, uh, we, I, you know, I've, I've said it before and I'll, and I'll say it again. These, these fucking people that release these fucking documents up on the higher government level, uh, you know, they're not in touch with our, our personnel in the junior level, like yourself, uh, myself until very recently. 
uh, there's still obviously a lot of work to do because you shouldn't have had to go, go through what you went through. And I, I can't, I'll never be able to thank you enough for being willing to share your experiences. Cause I understand for a lot of people, it, it's hard and it is difficult. And I, and I understand that, but to be here and for you to tell us what you went through and then also how you came out the other end and how not only are you, did you, are, were you able to benefit yourself, but you're able to give back to people and you're able to help others succeed. Alan, thank you. Thank you so much. So, for sure. Um, <laughs> Alan, do me a favor. Stay in the green room. Uh, we're just Billy's, gonna, Billy's gonna cry. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm just. I am. I probably am. But yeah, stay in the green room. We'll be back. At, we'll be back with you in a minute, man. Thank you for the opportunity, gentlemen. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no you. worries, dude. Thank hey, you so man. much. Whew. That's great, man. I can't believe I, you know, twenty. I can't believe almost twenty years ago I, I met Alan Robin Walker. We used to call him Robin too. I didn't know his. I didn't know his name was Alan until like two years later. It like came up in conversation. I think I heard one of his parents call him that one time, and just he, uh, he almost beat your ass for ditching him. He did. It would have been hard, you know, five six and one hundred and twenty pounds, and whatnot. Um, it's weird. You know, it's it's weird because you know I've always. I've always thought that I've had an older soul. Like I, I, I've always been dismissed yeah. being younger, even though I felt that I had the point of view of somebody that was older than myself. But now, you know, I'm 32, I think. And some of these people that I went to high school with, I know you're an old man. Some of these people I went to high school with, you know, and that I met in early in the days of the military are doing these such great things, you know? And so now I finally get to see the things that they did with their lives. And it's amazing because some people, I, I, I listen to this podcast called uh, Listening to America, which is done by one of my professors here at Old Dominion. And he had this conversation with this woman who said, uh, seven out of 10 suicides are from white males because black males are used to adversity and they're used to things being more difficult for them. Which and so essentially what that means is that white males are not used to it. And so we cave a lot easier and, and succumb. And so just to say again. We bitches. For sure, for sure. Um, but just to hear these success stories of people from 20 years ago that I knew and to know yeah. and to hear that they're just eating and that it wasn't like they, nobody, I, oh, I can't, I can't say nobody, unfortunately, but that just to hear that anybody in general said, that's a problem that doesn't need to exist. So we're going to go fix it somewhere else. And that's going to double back because it's going to be a big enough issue that we're going to solve this, this uh, initial problem. It's just, you know, we're in it for the long con and it's, it's a lot of fun for me. It, it, it really is. No, it is pretty, it is pretty cool to see, you know, people you've known, you know, early on in your life, fucking just killing it now, especially going through all the, the adversity and the bullshit, you know, it, it really does make me sick. Cause my mind, you know, when I see, when I see stuff like that, when I see it on the news or I see it, it happened right in front of me. Just from the way I was raised, you know, my my family never taught me to see color. You know, like I've said before, they taught me, to, you know, you respect me, I respect you. And if not, that's great. You're not in my life. I move on. But my mind doesn't – it's hard for me to think like that because my mind doesn't work in that way. So when, when I hear stories like, you know, from Alan where, you know, he gets his truck flipped and the, the guy gets out and he says what he says to him. I'm, I, I don't understand that because my brain doesn't fucking work that way. So it's so hard. It, it just sucks. It's so hard to comprehend. Well, you, know, you know, that kind of behavior was taught to them. It was 
you know, as yes. part of, who, as yes. of their family's identity and whatnot. And I, I got to say really quick before, you know, before we close out my buddy Dinesh here, uh, Dinesh, let me, let me, let me tell you this, man. Uh, in 2010, Dinesh and I were deployed together. He was an EA2, an engineering aide. And uh, he was already smart as fuck at that time. I'm a doctor, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he was, already, he was already wicked fucking smart back then. I was t- legitimately failing out al- college algebra. Uh, Which is not a surprise because we've heard about your troubles with math. <laughs> I don't want to fucking talk about that. I asked him like, last minute to take my final exam just to get me like a 73 so I didn't have to pay back the government. <laughs> and so why Dinesh, does why does the letter equal a number? I'm so confused. <laughs> Dinesh, you know, he was actually he was involved in my first ro- first rocket attack. Actually, one hit and we both froze standing. You know, we're supposed to hit the deck and whatnot, but we didn't know what the fuck was going on. Uh, that's why we, we, we've been on Facebook together for a really long time. And, and he did, you know, it's crazy because he was an engineering aide. His job was to draft projects and buildings and tell us where shit was going to go. And I remember reading like a story poll with him. Like he was like, read me the lower number. I'm like, I think it's the highest number. And he, he was like, Oh yeah, no, that's right. And I'm like, I don't know if that's right. Sure. And you know, now that's up there, you know, he's clearly got it together. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. He's a rich doctor, you know, he's a rich doctor. Um, he's a rich doctor. So, uh, thank you for helping me get past uh, college algebra and into uh, you know <laughs> math I cannot pass anymore. So I got another hundred bucks waiting for you if you're willing and able. <laughs> Alan's holding his Alan's holding the his card up. It says PhD on his also. Billy, we will be back Monday. My, I start my new job on Tuesday. Up in Maine, oh, but you're gonna become a doctor too. <laughs> I'm not gonna give a doctor. I'm gonna be an electrician. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on Dinesh's EAD, EADs. AEDs. I work with the Zappy Zaps. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm gonna work with the Zappy Zap. But he's like, we need an AED. I'm gonna go zoink and get, wake, wake oh. him back up. Yeah, dude. I, speaking of that, as you know, I told you my first four years in, I was a GSE. So we I do really remember. Yes. <laughs> we used to take the beggars. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to used to go up to people when they were in their racks and clip, Zap them. And clip them to them, and they'd be dead fucking asleep after like an eighteen hour shift. And I'd fucking take the bigger <laughs> right You're in their fucking rack. You're a terrible rack. person. But I'm not gonna rat you out because I appreciate you. Know, I'll drop names. All those motherfuckers deserved it. <laughs> but, uh, we, will be back. we will be back next Monday at um at seven thirty. Yesterday, sorry about that. That was me. I had um. Stuff going on. I'm not going to get into it. It was personal stuff. Yeah. And Hugh is getting ready to move from Virginia to Maine, so he's got a lot of shit going on. Like he said, right now he's in his in his um, in his uh, camper. In camp. I'm in the camper. So you're living in that up in Maine. In in Maine, that's going to be your house. I am, yeah, my buddy's parents have a 30 uh, 30 amp breaker. They're going to let me plug into. Uh, but join us on Monday. A good friend of mine yeah. is uh, a good friend of ours. Excuse me. Run Sailors and Sticks. It's a Facebook group for sailors who like cigars, not penises. Uh, but he's going to be here to join us on Monday. It's going to be a really good talk. But if you're into 